this moment, you are new. You may have had a really hard day where things just did not go the way you expected them to. And you could feel the stress of that inside you. You could feel the weight of that on your shoulders right now. So what I'd love for you to do is take a slow breath in. And on your exhale, let all of that go. Because every moment is a fresh moment. Every moment is an opportunity to start again. You see, that stuff may have happened then, but you are still here now. That's how you know you're greater than any storm that may have risen. Your spirit is stronger. You are not broken. You are more complete than you could ever know. So let that thought go. You don't need it any longer. And choose to be here now. To be who you are. The rising sun. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me at the rising sun. This is Sean Elliott Russell. I'm going to be your host for tonight. Uh, Ray could not make it, but uh, for a very good reason. So um, I am here. And, <laughs> and tonight, tonight is going to be an exercise in letting go. And what I mean by that is. Um, this is my first time doing this solo. Not only that, but I have a phone that I keep lots of notes in. Throughout the day, uh, something will occur to me or I'll, I'll experience these little um, flashes of words or sayings or insights. And I'll always type them in my phone because I don't want to forget them. And at the end of the day, sometimes I'll read them back or I'll read them back a week or two later. And when I... Uh, when I found out I was going to be doing this tonight alone, I decided that I was just going to go through my phone and pick one of the insights and speak about that for 24 minutes. Um, but I left my phone at the house, and I never do that. You have to, you, you'd have to know me to understand that I always have my phone on me. I never leave it anywhere. I check it. I check my pockets, you know, I have it in my hand. If I get in the car sometimes, I'll, I'll look around and say, oh, I don't have my phone. And then I go in the house and I, and I get it. But I never leave it anywhere. And I got here to the station and I'm looking around and I can't find it. Um, and so I asked to borrow somebody's phone and I and I called and, and there was no answer. So then I called uh, my other half's uh, number and she answered and she said, you left your phone here. Okie dokie. See, as I was getting in the car to come here, I said, okay, I guess this is something I need to do by myself. And actually, it's funny because the week leading up to this, I kept having these uh, little flashes of me being here alone tonight. Uh, for some reason, I was going to do this tonight. And then when I got home, there was a message, and I couldn't see the message right away. But I hadn't... I had that intuition. We all have intuition. And my intuition said, this is Ray saying that he can't make it tonight. And when I checked it, I had to go inside and check on the laptop to see the message. And sure enough, you know, he couldn't make it. And so here I am. And as I get in the car, I say, this, this is something I need to do by myself tonight. And it's very much by myself tonight because I don't have the crutch of my phone <laughs> in my notes. So... What you're hearing is 100% from the heart tonight, which it always is, you know, but sometimes I have an idea or I have other people to play off of. But tonight, it is me and you, listeners. And what I think I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about letting go. 
I'd like to talk about what the instance leading to this moment, you know, uh, shows us that sometimes we just really need to let go and see how things play out. And I know that's scary. I can be the first person to tell you how scary that feels because as we're raised uh, to consider possibilities and, you know, look at all the angles and plan for the future, there's an element of control to that. There's an element of feeling like you need to control all the possible outcomes to keep yourself safe. And yes, there are instances where that needs to happen, you know, where it's practical. But there's also moments where it's not so practical because by doing that, you're missing out on the beauty of spontaneity. Life itself is spontaneous. Even the things that we think that we're planning for, these things happen spontaneously we can plan so much and they might kind of work out but often than not our plans need to be adjusted so even then we really don't have the control that we think that we do it's sort of an illusion to make us feel safe which what I'm coming to learn about myself is one of my biggest fears not feeling safe and I'm not sure exactly where that stemmed from but it's there and and talking with other people, it seems to be there for them too. Maybe it's instinctual, maybe it's within us, uh, which feeds the survival, the fight or flight, or just the need to make sure our surroundings are okay, so that way our species can move forward, the universe can move forward. There maybe should be some sort of feeling of, I need to be safe in order to make sure that you're still around, you know, that you can contribute to society, you can contribute to life, and you can push this whole thing forward as it seems to be moving. But there's definitely moments when letting go and allowing yourself to feel unsafe brings a greater joy and sense of peace than when you're scrambling to try to keep everything in its proper place so that way you have the illusion of safety. And tonight is a perfect example of that. I'd like to tell you about uh, what happened to cause the book, the Be Still Little Tree, Be Still, this children's story that came through me and that I'm so proud to represent and, and, and share with people how that came to be because I think it's a... I think it's an important story to show letting go and to show how things can have their way of sort of maneuvering or leading to where they need to go, you know. Um, I'm not sure if I believed in all of that prior to a couple years ago when I was sort of forced by life to sit back and really look at myself, but I strongly believe it now and as I look around there's evidence of it everywhere. And sometimes I think we forget that we're part of life itself, that we are life. You know, as you sit here and you listen to this, this is coming in your ears and this sound is reverberating and going up to your brain and then there's all these signals and there's all this flow and all this energy that even allows you to hear this at this moment or do whatever you happen to be doing while you're listening to this. It's not a static thing, you know, we look at like a wall or a desk and it seems so static but even that within it there's movement and there's life 
and it's free and it's flowing and we are that as well we are life we're flowing free moving life and I think when we take steps to block that in and keep that from happening not only do we cause ourselves suffering we can feel that friction that pain you know but again we miss out on the spontaneity so the way the book came to be is I was contacted by an elementary school teacher I hadn't performed for a little bit prior to this I had been performing uh, for many many years and uh, putting out music and doing spoken word poetry but I stepped away in 2013 when uh, agoraphobia anxiety derealization sort of leveled me and I was stuck so I stepped away from the things that I thought were causing that so when she contacted me and asked if I would be willing to come into her class to speak or do some spoken word poetry for her fourth grade class I immediately said yes that was the first reaction so that's what my heart wanted to do I said yes no problem I'll be there when and then she you know she let me know when and this was through messenger it was on the it was on uh, Facebook and then I got off the messenger and then after that is when my mind said wait a minute what are you doing you said you would never perform and never do that again look what happened last time look where you ended up you're just starting to get quote-unquote better and then I realized I didn't have anything any spoken word poetry for fourth graders I didn't have the type of material that maybe they could relate to all of mine was you know about hardships and struggles and I had been writing a lot about anxiety and this and that so that night I went home still wanting to do it there was this feeling within me this uh, intuition you can call it this energy life I think now in my own term in my own meaning and understanding of God I think now that that's God that was saying hey this is something that I would like you to do this is going to lead to something that's gonna put you in line put you back in the cycle of life because I had removed myself from it so I got home that night and with that feeling in me I wrote a short story I wrote a children's story I had never written a children's story before and now when I say I wrote it I don't mean that I sat down and I thought about it and you know I put these words together I made them rhyme and this story came out what I mean is I literally just wrote this story flowed through me there was no thinking involved that same energy that I had gave me the title the boy who lost his imagination and then after that title the story came out within hours I had a children's story and it's funny my my birthday is November 19th 11 19 and by the time I was done with the story I sent it to my mother and 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 uh, my dad and they loved it and they counted the words she put it in uh, in word and it did a word count and there was 1119 words that was a little synchronicity <laughs> but after that story was done I had written it so fast because like I said it was just kind of flowing it wasn't I feel like it wasn't even really me doing it when I read it back it was I was reading the story for the first time you know and I cried and I, 
I read it to Arlene and uh, my other half <laughs> and she cried and it was the first time that I had felt in a little bit since I had been uh, since I had taken myself kind of away from the world to figure out what was going on with me that I had felt like I was where I belonged and I was just sitting on my bed where I'd been many times before but sometime somehow this was different this moment was different and so we went and I read the children's story and uh, I think it went pretty well and they enjoyed it the next week I'm standing at the kitchen counter and the title be still little tree be still enters my mind Hmm, that sounds like a good children's story title and for the next two days I ended up again just writing and this story came out about this little tree who's afraid he's planted in a yard next to a big tree and the first thunderstorm he's ever seen comes through and he's scared and he doesn't know what to do and he's shaking and he wants to run but he can't where's he gonna go he's a tree and the storm passes and the older tree tries to pass on his wisdom the things that he's learned and he tells him be still little tree be still and he tells him why to be still he tells him the storm isn't something that's supposed to hurt you it helps you to grow actually and the little tree learns this as he sees that his branches get bigger and longer and he gets, his trunk gets stronger and he has two branches or three instead of two now but he also tells him the secret behind being still which is really letting go to allow life to happen because it's not here to hurt you it's not against you you're part of life you know a wave cannot destroy the ocean that it came from it's not going to happen and since life and you are the same, these things that are part of life, this fear that you have and this storm that's coming that seems to raise it, has to have some type of purpose for you. So let go of the struggle because the struggle is what's causing you to suffer, not the thing that you're struggling against. And so the little tree does. The little tree gets bigger and stronger. And then at the end, Another little tree is planted next to now the older tree. And what do we do naturally when something good happens to us, when we learn something that helps us in our life? We seem to want to pass that on to other people. I say that uh, God inspires hope through everybody's story because that's how it seems to be. How else could it? How else could it happen? Where else does the hope come from? besides you watching somebody else struggling and watching them get through it and then that inspires something in you that says if they did it I can do it too and then you want to pass that on so the older tree passes it on to the younger tree that was just planted next to him and that's how the story ends so after this story was written I kind of put it aside for a little bit uh, and I, I'd say a little bit is maybe a month. I really liked it, but the boy who lost his imagination, I wanted to illustrate that one. So I was trying to take steps to get that to happen. Well, around the same time, I was supposed to go on a plane trip to see my parents in Florida, but 
I hadn't been on a plane in a little bit. And for an agoraph- somebody that's experiencing agoraphobia, getting on a plane and leaving the state is probably at the extreme end of what you can do to trigger your agoraphobia, right? Because agoraphobia is finding a safe place and being afraid to be away from the safe place. And my safe place had become my home. On top of that, I had already had previous experiences on the airplane that had raised um, anxiety or panic within me. So I was to get on this plane. And the only thing that I had for myself, I had Arlene and the kiddo Draven with me. But really, only thing I had was stillness, mindfulness. Be still, little tree. This is what I had. This is what I was going to use to deal with, with one of the greatest fears that I had known yet. And to some, a fear of getting on a plane may not be understandable because maybe you don't have that fear. Or it may see, seem irrational. And it may be. But it's still there nonetheless, and the body still reacts the same way. It's as if I told you to picture a lemon right now, and a picture putting it in your mouth and, you know, sucking on it. Your saliva glands start, start going. Some of you may pucker, some of you may drool. You really like the taste of a lemon. But nevertheless, even though it's imaginary, your body reacts the same way. And even though my fear of a plane is really imaginary, it's a belief, it's a thought. My body reacts the same way. So I knew stepping onto that plane that my body was about to go through some serious panic. And it did. I had, I don't, I don't like to call them panic attacks because it's not an attack. Like I said, life cannot hurt life. It's not against us. So panic isn't attacking, but it is an experience of panic. So I had a panic experience on the way there and on the way back on top of a derealization experience on the way back which was truly my greatest fear, having derealization in a plane. And I was still, and it was difficult, and it hurt physically, because all that adrenaline and worry, and you know, it's all rushing through you, and I'm cramping, and my mind's are racing, and, and my mind is racing, and I can't go anywhere to escape this, and that's going through my mind too. But I was still, and on the way back, I said, this truly works. This truly works. And I want to devote all my attention to this. All of my attention to this story. Well, when we got back, we stopped by a meditation center over here uh, named Infinite Love to donate something. And when I walked in, I had a flash, another flash, that... I would be giving them a book. The Be Still Little Tree book, actually. I would be handing them an actual book. And mind you, it was just a story in my phone at this time. Not only that, but would I would be sending this book out to different meditation centers and different people so that way they could get the message. So I went back home, and that following two weeks, I want to say, I started illustrating the story. I don't know where the energy to do that came from. Uh, actually, I do. I lie. <laughs> I say, on second thought, I do. I believe it came from God, the universe, the great source, divinity, whatever you want to call it, energy. 
I believe that's where it comes from. That's where it came from. And that's what provided me the talent and the focus to be able to illustrate this book. I've never illustrated a book before. To illustrate the book in two weeks. Fully colored everything. Pages are done. Well, what do I do now? Now that I have this illustrated, what is there? What is the next step? I've never published a book before. Well, wouldn't you know it? That the next step just kind of shows up. After that, I send out the book via email to different people. One of them being Thich Nhat Hanh's Plum Village. Because when I first started the idea of mindfulness, uh, practicing the idea of mindfulness, Thich Nhat Hanh was instrumental. As was the Deepak Chopra and the Oprah Meditations. So I wanted to send it to them. Not expecting any kind of response. But I got one. One came back from them saying, this is wonderful. This is a wonderful book. We'd love to share it with our children. And then we'd love to see them maybe uh, do drawings of the tree or, or somehow engage with the story. Then I sent it to another organization, Mindful Schools. And it turns out the person that contacted me from there, this is in California, by the way, she has family in McAllen. She didn't know where I was from. They had kind of uh, debated on who was going to call me back because I had left a message saying, hey, I have this book. I just want to share it with you via ebook, uh, in case you could use it or, you know, pass it on to somebody. And she ended up having family in the Rio Grande Valley where I'm at. This small little place at the tip of Texas. So all these synchronicities started happening, you know, these wonderful things that seemed to say, keep going. And I made it a point not to scramble and not to overthink, but just to let go and follow the guidance that was being given to me. Follow the steps. So I did. I continued to. I looked online and figured out how to uh, how to get my ISBM number and uh, copyright it and what was needed, really. Started doing research on where the cheapest place that I could publish the book was. And I found a place. But it was going to cost a good amount of money. And I'm not a rich man by any means. Um, so I didn't have the cash. You know, it was going to cost almost $4,000. Well, that day, I had gotten a credit card offer in the mail. Now, I have really bad credit. So uh, if, to get a credit card offer, it's pretty much I'm going to, you know, I'm going to fill it out. And it's it's not going to be approved. I expected that. But I gave it a shot anyway. I was approved for the amount that I needed to get one of the steps done on the credit card. I was approved for that amount. And so I used it, you know. And I'll work to pay it off. And I continue to work to pay it off as the book sales come in. So that step was done. And then the next thing I needed was to actually print the books. And that was going to be about, that was going to be about three thirty-three hundred, a little over that. But it was the cheapest way I could get the books for a low cost, so that way I could give them to people for a reasonable amount, amount of money. Because most children's books I saw were around $20, $18. But I wanted to do it at 10 I couldn't do it at 10 but I did it at 13 But in order to do that, I had to put the money up front. How was I going to do this? I don't know. 
I don't have that kind of cash. So a couple of days later, I walked into the bank to start a, uh, a business account with Wells Fargo. And I'm filling out the paperwork. My parents were gracious enough to start a, uh, a S-Corp for my publishing company, SCR Publishing, SCR Publishing, Inc., and as I'm filling out the paperwork, the guy says, well, you know, typically when we open up new business accounts, uh, they automatically qualify for $5,000 line of credit. Excuse me, come again? They automatically qualify for a $5,000 line of credit. That's, would you like that? He says, yes, yes. I don't even think he finished his statement. Would you? Yes, I would. Are you? Sh- yes. Yeah, I'll take that. And so I had the money to print up the books. And I did. And it was scary, you know, because I have to pay that money back. But again, I just let go because if this money was showing up at the time that it was needed in order to get this book, which I felt wasn't even a product of something that I tried to do out to the public, who am I to say no? So the books were published fast forward about three months this was uh, a couple weeks ago and I find myself in infinite love the same meditation center I walked into when I had that flash in my mind of me giving them a book and doing a talk there fast forward to about two weeks ago and I gave a reading of be still little tree be still at infinite love it's old books and they have a copy so that's the best example I can say from my own personal experience of what allowing yourself to let go for a minute could possibly bring to your life what stepping out of your own way long enough to see what's really happening around you and within you to question your worries maybe because we all have them it's very normal but there's something within you that's deeper within you which is more connected than the thoughts that we create and so we have to still the mind long enough to be able to feel that and I'm quite sure anybody that's listening to this at some point in their life they felt that intuition or follow your gut, they say, right? Listen to your heart. It seems to always come from that place, the middle of your body. And it's an indescribable, unmistakable feeling that something needs to occur. And it may not even be in words, but somehow you still know what it is. So I invite you, I invite you to please quiet your mind long enough to give yourself the opportunity to uh, to follow your heart and see where it leads you. So to close, hey, I'm actually going to stop at 30 minutes tonight because it's just me. Um, to close, I'm going to do Soul Call by myself. Soul Call. That was horrible. Am I, what am I grateful for? I am grateful for this opportunity to completely let go tonight. To not have my crutch of a phone, to be here by myself, speaking with anybody that may be listening, 
um, <laughs> you know, life really does give you the things that you need to process and work through. And, uh, you know, when you let go and allow that to happen, it's, it's a beautiful thing. My intention is to continue to let go. When given the choice between ego or thinking and spirit, I choose spirit. So this is the end of the, this is the end, folks. Where the outro music comes in and my voice gets low. <laughs> Thank you for joining me tonight. I greatly appreciate it. You are part of this life. You are life. You are not separate from it. And the same life that guides the birds and the bees and the waves and the moon and the sun and the stars flows through you as well. And it's constantly asking you to please listen to it because it only has your best intention in mind. Until next time, take care of yourself and be well. <laughs>